what I've really learned is business and family, it's the same thing. You want to have a successful family or a successful business, you're running the same kind of entity. You have to be there. You have to be locked in. You have to be a leader. You have to listen. You have to have clear, concise goals. You have to have a mission statement. You have to have core values. You're listening to Investing for Good, a show that brings you the stories and strategies of people who are investing to build a legacy for their families, create a meaningful and intentional life by design, and impact the world around them. And now, here are your hosts, Annie Dickerson and Julie Lamb. Julie, how is it going? Oh, it's going all right. I'm surviving over here with my kids. <laughs> Barely surviving, I guess, is more of the right term. Um, but yeah, you it's just that, been... Uh, that homeschool schedule down? I, you know, it the first week was really rough. Second mm-hmm. week was better. Third week was great. And then we had last week, which was our spring break, and just ruined mm-hmm. everything. <laughs> oh. <laughs> just totally ruined all it because no, we weren't on a schedule anymore. And so right. everyone was like, woo, it's spring right. break and we don't need to do anything. So yeah. come this last Monday, they were like, what What do you mean? Oh, we have school. Right. Like, we don't have, and then, you know, they're playing like, we don't have school. We don't go to school uh, anymore. I'm like, no, yeah. you know, the school that we were doing before, like last week before spring break. So yeah, it's been, it's, it's been a little bit rough. Some weeks are better than others, but um, yeah, I mean, we still have two more months of this. You know, it's know. crazy to even think oh that gosh. we've only gotten through a third of it. So um, yeah, I think the one, the cool thing is, you know, it's it's forced us to become more creative, and you know, I'm discovering all sorts of kids apps and mm-hmm. tools and resources that I never even knew existed. You know, when I first got into, you know, I started as a teacher and then I got into game design because I wanted to make mm-hmm. educational games. But back yeah. in 2010-ish when I was doing this, there wasn't a whole lot out there. There were like, you know, yeah. it, this was still like flash game era, you know, so there right. wasn't a whole lot out there, you know, <laughs> mo- you know, uh, the iPhone had just come out, you know, so like people were starting to do things like that. But now, you know, I've been out of the loop for so long. Now I'm going back in there. I'm like, holy cow, there's so much out there. It's incredible. Yeah, a lot's changed. Um, And, you know, for for me, I think one great thing is I have so much visibility now into each of my children's, um, you know, educational lives that I never had before. I never knew. Can they read? Not can they read, but, you know, (laughs) can they read at this level? Or can they do math? Like, Mm -hmm. if we push it, can they really do this? And because it's like this one-on-one time with them, I feel like we're able to actually push them and educate them, not along like mainstream and wherever, uh, you know, the other mm-hmm. 20 kids in the class are, but really where they are. And so that's been like mm-hmm. one fun thing for, for us is to really be able to see like, where are they really? And how far can we really push them that goes beyond the limits of, you know, first grade or beyond the limits of second grade and, and just really push them where at, and meet them where they are. And that's been the really fun thing. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's I, been great. I couldn't agree more. It's it's great getting insight into um, and get just re, really getting reconnected with them almost. Yeah. You know, it's mm-hmm. like when you're on, before before all this happened, it was yeah. like you'd shuttle them off to school in the morning. They'd come <laughs> home at night. You had no idea what happened in between, right. yeah. and then you know that they have homework, and then you try to peek into what their homework is. But that's really all you get on a day to day basis. Whereas yeah. now we're into for better or worse. We're 
were intimately in every moment of their learning, which such a special time. And I, I yeah. know we're, many of us are going to look back on this time and, um, you know, remember the time that we were, you know, that we were together, like really together, um, yeah. and really present in each other, uh, in each yeah. other's lives. And so yeah. it's great. Well, speaking of kids and homeschooling, our guests today, and we have two guests, are Jake Stenziano and Gino Barbaro. Um, and they are the creators of jakeandgino.com. They are multifamily investors and owners and syndicators, and they also own a property management business. They also help others learn how to syndicate. And between the two of them, they have eight kids. So we got to talk a little bit about that. I can't imagine. Eight, well, Gino has six kids and Jake has two. I can't imagine having six kids in the house. <laughs> what a zoo. That's all I can think. It's a zoo at my house and I only have three. I can't imagine having like almost three times as many kids. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. And you know, one thing that they, we've got to talk about so much, I mean, these guys uh, in the period of time that they've been, uh, you know, syndicating and buying multifamily apartments, they've done so much. They have educational platforms, events and coaching and, you know, they're syndicating deals and they're buying deals themselves. And it's funny because I heard them on a podcast year years ago when I first got into uh, investing, I was so inspired by their story and, and they just have so much knowledge to share uh, about, uh, you know, investing in multifamily, uh, you know, how investors should be looking uh, at the current market and strategies they should be taking. Um, Gino talked a lot about that. That was a good little nugget of information that he shared. Um, and uh, yeah, I love that, you know, a lot of what they do is is driven by impact and purpose, which is so much in alignment with what we do and uh, was a really great uh, uh, show. So here it is, our conversation with Jake and Gino. Jake, Gino, how are you? We're doing good. Thanks, Andy, for having us on. Thanks, gang. Absolutely. Now, guys, I got to start with this because... Julie and I often talk about how between the two of us, we have five kids, which seems crazy enough. Julie has three kids and I have two. And normally that's a big enough number to wow people. But you two have totally one-upped us because between the two of you, you have not five, but eight kids. Gino, you have six, I believe, mm -hmm. and Jake, you hurts. have two. <laughs> He's carrying the load. <laughs> <laughs> so before we dive into real estate investing and multifamily, I wanted to start there. I assume your kids are all home these days with the COVID-19 shelter-in-place mandates. So how are you able to stay positive and maintain your sanity while also running your respective businesses. <laughs> that's, a, that's a picture of my daughter at the Zoom call this morning with her, her classmates sitting at the, uh, this desk right here, oh. actually. So we, uh, uh -huh. we, we, we are making it happen here. But anyways, nice. G-Dad, you got, you got six. How are you doing it? So for me, I'll give you a little analogy of a multifamily and uh, having a large family. For us, we homeschool our kids. Mm. So for us, it's really no difference. I'm blessed with an amazing wife. She's unbelievable. My kids range from 20 to five. So I have a daughter who's a junior in college. I have a son who's a senior who's dual enrollment. So he's going to college part-time. And it's just part of our lifestyle. And we started out that way from the very beginning. And is it hard? Oh, it's excruciating. And I'm not even the one teaching. She's the one teaching. It just takes over your life. It consumes you. But there's so many benefits to it. I mean, they're home all the time. They're great kids. They love each other. 
Do they fight all the time? All the time. Do you hear them <laughs> bickering all the time? All the time. But that's just part of life. And it's like multifamily. When we got into multifamily, you buy that first deal. It's like having the first child. You don't know what you're doing. You're never right time. That is never the right time to get into multifamily. And it's never the right time to start a family. You just have to decide, let's do it. The first one comes, there's no manual. There's no instruction. I mean, unless you want to join the Jake and Gino community, you can have coaches, they can guide you. But still you have that feeling in your stomach that, oh my gosh, what did I just do? I've got to take this baby home with me. I don't have a manual. It's real now. (laughs) Right? And you have this person that relies on you. And it's sort of the same way with multifamily. That first building you buy, you have tenants, you have residents, you have people relying on you. You have a partner like Jake who's going to property manage. The second child comes along and it's like, okay, now we're, you know, tag team. There's two of us and two of them. Second deal comes along. The momentum place. For me, I had a child two years. I wish I'd had him sooner. I'd, I'd love to have more than six, but you know, that's, it is what it is. On the second one, it's like, okay, I can figure this out. There's a little bit of a framework. I know how to change diapers, but this one's a little different than the first one. I thought every deal was the same, but every deal is unique, like every child, right? Then the third one comes. It's like, Jake, we're making some cash flow. It's the long game here, right? It's like, you know, it's not all about transaction. There's equity involved. You're having a lot of fun with the third deal. And the third child, for me, I tended to be a little bit grumpy and I hope they don't, kids don't listen to this, but the third one really just pulled my grumpiness out of me. And I just... I fell in love with my third child. My first two were great experiences, but there's something about my third child that she's beautiful. She's just something about her. I, I just have a He's side-selling me for another one right now, just so you know. <laughs> yes, and he's on number three. So you're getting more comfortable with multifamily, right? You're scaling it up. And our third deal was a 136-unit deal, and we learned a lot. We grew a lot from that, and it gave us a lot more confidence. I had the fourth child. The fourth child was a nightmare. She was so tough, beautiful blonde, but all different. Every deal is different, right? On our fourth deal, we had a, we went back down to a 22-unit deal. It was a smaller deal, more comfortable, the opposite of my child. The fifth <laughs> child, boy, this is fun. I mean, this is a lot of fun. Now the older kids are helping the younger kids. Mom is engaged. I'm really doing well with the properties. I'm enjoying it. The sixth child comes, it's like gravy. And it's like, it's just pleasurable. And you're starting to enjoy it. And I think that's how our multifamily journey has been. It started out really hard. And it's always hard, but you get more comfortable and you learn. And it's all about the growth mindset, really learning on what you're doing, not giving up, committing, and just leaning into it. And, you know, the only difference that I see between the two is, you know, kids take money out of your pocket. (laughs) You know, multifamily puts money in your pocket. And I think ultimately it's reversing because now my children are all starting to work for me. And so now they're putting money back into my pocket. So I guess the whole (laughs) gist of the story is you're never ready. You just have to commit. It's going to be a great journey. There's going to be a lot of problems. Have clarity. Understand why you're doing it. And it's going to be all right. I have, I have a very interesting story to tell about Gino, actually. So he, he mentored me on apartments and how to get into multifamily. We got in together, uh, fortunately. And so he's been a great mentor. And, and G-Dad, I love you. Appreciate everything you love know, from you too, that. Bro. <laughs> but more so than the apartments, he you know had so much experience with kids. I remember our, our first child, and I had friends that... Um, they were very strict and their kids were in bed at eight o'clock every night and, and very, they just, and I'm not telling or, or telling people how to run their lives or how to live their lives, but it, it was just very strict and it was, you do it this time and, and, and super structured. And I said, you know, Gina, my daughter is like fighting this tooth and nail on this. She doesn't want to go to bed at eight. She wants to cuddle in bed with us. And, and he's like, 
dude, you, you do what you want to do. But I'm just saying from my experience, we kind of just let our kids, you know, be absorbed in the household and their lifestyle and they become a part of it. And it's worked out really well for us. I mean, you know, same thing. Like they last night, they were just, you know, fighting over like these these little like creamsicle pops or whatever it was. And like my daughter was teasing my son with it. But it's it's really great because at this point, we're not, we don't have these big, you know, fights at the end of the night. Now you got to get in bed. And, and and I know people like, well, no, you got to have your kids in, on this time schedule and everything. We've been a little more loosey-goosey with it. And and I remember I was very like, oh my God, you spilled this. And I'd get like really, and Gina was like, it's okay, they're kids. And, you know, I think for, for us, it's, you know, it's helped because he's he's had six kids, the most well-behaved kids in the world. They're all homeschooled. You know, our kids are home right now, you know, full-time. My son's younger, but, uh, you know, Gina, I appreciate it because it could have been, I'm a very rigid person and I like it very neat and tidy and by the yes. books and, and it's helped me. Uh, be understanding and acceptable that they're kids and just, just let them be. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if my, my son runs in here and buries down the door and jumps on me right now, kind of thing. So that's just how it is. And it's good because we don't take ourselves too seriously with it. And, and I think it's, you know, uh, a tribute to Gino's experience and I appreciate it. There's a lesson to be learned in that though. Let's transition that into business, right? It's all about autonomy. Our yeah. children want autonomy, right? And, and we have to give them autonomy, but at a certain age, we have to build fences for them and build boundaries for them. And it's okay. You can't win every battle, but let's build a boundary and a fence for each child who's different. My, my fourth child was a nightmare. Her, her fences had to be a little bit bigger. <laughs> my second child, my son is amazing. His boundaries were smaller. So, and as they get older, the fences get bigger, the boundaries get bigger, but you, they, they, they want that structure. And I think our employees want that structure. I think our investors need that structure. And once you take a person's autonomy away, so, you know, as Chris Voss says in his book, Never Split the Difference with Negotiation, you, you corner a terrorist and you don't give them any options. You do the same thing to your children. You take away their autonomy and you don't give them some kind of options. We're not there to tell our children or tell our employees employees maybe, but our children, you know, you need to do this. You want them to grow up, to become independent, to be able to be thought, to be able to be thinkers and to be able to make their own decisions. And those boundaries and those fences as they grow older will be pushed out and they'll feel comfortable. Ultimately, you want your children to come back to you and ask you for advice. And even your investors, your employees, you don't want them to go on Snapchat or ask their friends on Instagram, what should they do? You're the ultimate, you know, arbiter. You're not there to say, do this, do this, do that. But actually learn from them and grow those boundaries and just be part of their life. But Gino, that's where the systems come in. Like we have a family operating document that we review Sundays. We go over it. We got that from Mm. one of our mentors and we have the same thing for the businesses. So it's here are the boundaries to Gino's point. Let's stay within the boundaries and you know, we'll, we'll go from there and work and not try to micromanage too much. So I think that's, that's a big part of it. And it definitely has overlap. Weren't we supposed to be talking about multifamily? Where we're talking about? Uh, I don't know. I thought we were talking about kids. Today. And the cool thing is, our kids. You know, I'll go down to St. Augustine, and and all the kids will you know play together, and we can just let them be, and it's mm-hmm. it's really good. And then uh, same thing when Gino comes up here. So it's you know it's pretty cool. We got a good 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 family relationships. <laughs> so I'm curious, how does how do all of these things, the autonomy, and you know the fences, and giving everybody some space, and letting them be independent so that they will respect the boundaries and learn on their own? How does that translate from the family world into the business world? So, you know, we talked a little bit about it as far as like how you work with your kids, but how do you tell us about how that works with your investors um, and, you know, your employees and the people that you work with in multifamily? I think one of the most important things you want to do with your employees, especially now, you want to be able to empower them. So it's not always telling them what to do. And as a leader, as you can become better, better leader, you speak less, I think, and you listen more. And I think one of the best questions, you know, the empowering questions, thought-provoking, open-ending question is, 
hey, Jake, what do you think about that? Mm-hmm. He did that to me this morning on the marketing call. He was mm-hmm. doing the Jedi mind trick to me. And he's did like, I do it, dude? We were talking about marketing. We were talking about KPIs. And he's like, Gino, should we spend this? And you know, he actually, and the great thing about that is, is what do you think about that? I'm actually having input as an employee. And then when I come up with the solution, I might've seen something totally different than when Jake was seeing I'm going right. to own it as the employee because Jake's mm-hmm. going to say, Gino, that's a great idea. Let's go execute. So that accountability right. piece is great. I have autonomy and I also have accountability. So, and you know, it's hard as an entrepreneur to do that when you first start out, because when you're growing, it's the, I'm a, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But as you start right. scaling up and as you start, you know, getting layers on and start delegating to other people, you need to let go of that and give those, give that person that autonomy to take responsibility and to take action. Yeah. And one really cool thing at the beginning of all this, we're, we're in the middle of the Corona and hopefully on the way down is that, you know, it's, it's really, we call it the RAND fam. Um, we have RAND property management, RAND partners. And when this stuff came out, we didn't do this knee jerk and we didn't start laying people off mm. and, and we didn't freak out. We tried to every day analyze the numbers. We were talking about the numbers earlier today. Uh, and from the beginning, we said, we're going to do everything in our power to preserve the RAND fam and make sure no one loses their job. That was our commitment to everyone. And, you know, knock on wood, we're, we're here today. We haven't had a single layoff. And it's just so cool because the, the, the emails that I get that mean the most to me are from the employees that are saying, thank you. You've really carried, you know, the weight on your shoulders and, and pulled us through this and we haven't had any layoffs. Thank you for keeping us busy. You know, and we've done, we've worked more over the last couple months you know, probably 14 hour days in and out because it's, we've been on the coronavirus task force for this. We've been talking about how this, you know, legislation impacts us over here. We've been, you know, doing the, the PPP over here. It's been nonstop. It's been insane. Uh, but this is what you have to do as a leader. If you want that responsibility and you want to step up to be a business owner, that's what it takes. And while a lot of people are sitting back, you know, kind of, you know, social distancing from home and not working, if, if you're going to be a leader and you're going to, you know, be responsible for others, this is the time to shine and step up, not to go into a hole. So I think I like that. Yeah. I like that, Jay, because we've also, we've also been doing Ask Me Anythings. Yeah. Uh, every week, we're, we, we do our weekly lessons with our community, but also another one, Ask Me Anything, about the finance markets, about the debt markets. We'll ask, ask me anything about the property management, what we're doing in our systems. We're doing virtual leasing and virtual tours, and what about we're doing with the investors as far as communicating with investors. And I think one tip for everybody out there, and I didn't think it was true, but you cannot over-communicate. There's no such thing. And Jake and I are- You the can best with me. <laughs> yeah. I like it yes. short and to the point. You definitely can with yes. me, but for most people. But, but it's true, but there's so many different ways I can communicate with you. Send Jake a text. Send Jake an email. Give, give Jake a call on the phone. Get on a Zoom call. There's so many different ways to communicate and find out which the best way to communicate with Jake is and with your team members. Um, I think there's a lot of people out there with a lot of fear and they get caught in that trap and all of a sudden yeah. their energy level goes down to being victimhood and, you know, and, and that anger. You as the leader need to get on a call, try to be as positive as possible and try to show them that there's hope. And that's what it's all about. Get through mm-hmm. the day. We have end of day huddles now where we get on with our team members and we just share win. And in the beginning, it was like, oh, it was a pain in the neck. But by day 10, this is like, okay, great. You're getting to know what he's doing. And this is on top of our morning huddles. So we have a morning huddle at 8.45, and then we have an end of day huddle. And then at the end of the day, we're still working at five o'clock. But just to get together with the whole team and see what they struggled with, what their win was. And it's actually created a lot of, uh, a lot of excitement. I love that. You know, it's, in, in- yeah, it's been amazing to me through this whole thing how much people want to communicate with each other. Oh. Personally, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. I, I don't think 
you know, and on the disc assessment, I'm a D, um, you know, and, and we, we go through all this stuff and, and we've done different coaching. You know, we get coached a lot as well. We're not just, you know, coaches. We get coached mm-hmm. a lot. The one that we've uh, scaling up is one that we've gone through the Rockefeller habits. And mm-hmm. you know, we have these quarterly priority uh, planning sessions with our team. And that's that's part of our coaching where our whole team comes together, our leadership team. And you wouldn't believe the last one we went through when this Corona stuff first came out and the shutdown Holy, I mean, everybody and the communications that came from those coaches, but also internal team, they really wanted to get this stuff out and, and, and mull it over a lot. And for me, like personally, I like to go on offense. I, I don't like sitting in mm-hmm. the muck and I, I'm just saying, let's find the solution and get there. But I had to take a step back. And that was one of the most challenging things through this entire Corona thing for me was taking a step back and letting people just kind of sit in it. I hate that. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to get out. I want to move mm-hmm. forward. I want to get down the field. And that, that's been a huge challenge for me. And it's been a, a piece of self-awareness. And I know, you know there's probably some folks out there with, you know, I don't know if it's a personality trait or discuss, whatever you want to call it, but maybe you've been struggling with that. And you just got to, you just got to, you know, downshift a little bit and be okay, um, you know, getting messy with it. And that's, that for me is like the worst, but it's part of it. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a question for you, Gino. Um, you had mentioned you're doing these Ask Me Anything sessions, Zoom calls, webinars, what what have you. What are some of the the like top three questions that you're getting from from investors and and or from the audience um, as far as it relates to COVID nineteen? That's a great question. See, behind me, I have on the other side is I have a podcast. With my wife. It's called the Multifamily Zone Podcast, and we do it. She's a life coach. I'm a life coach, and we do it for spouses who work together, who communicate mm. together. And what I've really learned is business and family. It's the same thing. You want to have a successful family or a successful business. It's you're running the same kind of entity. You have to be there. You have to be locked in. You have to be yeah. a leader. You have to listen. You have to have clear, concise goals. You have to have a mission statement. You have to have core values. So, I mean, we hadn't asked me anything with my wife and uh, myself last week. And a lot of the questions were, you know, about parenting, about how do you stay home with the kids? Um, what are you doing to uh, for education as far as everyone all of a sudden just shut the spigot off? And it's pretty hard for an eight-year-old to do a Zoom call with this mm-hmm. teacher, right? I mean, for two hours, that's, that's pretty impossible. We had those kinds of questions. As far as the property management, the communication is really important. Letting, this, letting the residents know that it's okay that day 15 comes and you haven't paid we're going to work through this. How can we work through this? We send them resources to it because, you know, another reference to Chris Voss, you want, do not want to damage the relationship. You want to know when this is all over that your residents mm-hmm. sort of, you know, you have sort of had their back, you know, and the residents don't care that you have a mortgage payment. They don't care that you have to pay your employees. They care about themselves. Mm-hmm. And if you can understand that and try to work around that and say, well, let's work through this together. When we get out of this, we're going to get better. We're working towards our community. I think that was another big aspect of it. And I think another thing, Jake, with the ask me anything is if, if you want to jump in, I think is the financing. Financing has been changing as far as 12 mm-hmm. months of reserves with principal and interest taxes mm-hmm. and insurance. That's a big one. It, it just keeps keeps pivoting. And for us who are not syndicating all of our deals, I think community banks are going to come back for the next few months. I think there's a big opportunity. When we first started back in 2011, 2012, community banks were prevalent. They were a great source. They have recourse debt, but I mean, nothing is perfect in life, but they're much more flexible. If you've got a deal, I think they're, they're coming back. So I think those are the, you know, some of the topics that people have been struggling with. Yeah, the reason Gina brings that up is because Fannie and Freddie now are asking for 12 months of principal and interest reserves. So right. it's making it a lot harder for the deals to you know pencil out. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a piece of it. Um, but also underwriting. People want to know, you know, and, and this is this is the challenge because as coaches, I can't tell you what a good deal is. 
I know what a yeah. good deal is for mm-hmm. me because we have a buy right portion of our framework and we go through it and we set up parameters. Maybe I want, you know, over a six cap. Maybe I want an 8% cash on cash return. It has to be billed after, you know, 1980. You know, it can't have, you know, certain type of plumbing. It, you know, I don't want flat roofs. I want central heat and air. We could go on and on. Those are our parameters. You need to understand what your parameters are and we'll walk you through, you know, the different things to put on a parameters list. But then mm-hmm. you have to be able to judge what is good for you. What What is a good return for you? And that's why folks are saying, like, you know, we got that a lot. And, and I, I'm saying to myself, we can talk about the parameters as we always do, but we can't tell you what a good deal is. Only you can decide that by setting up your own parameters. And that's what, you know, buy right is so important about. Because right now, if you're looking at a deal, you know what the most important thing is? You're buying a stream of revenue. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be expenses benchmark against that revenue. How strong is that stream of revenue. So then you have to take it a step further. Where do those people work? What has that company done? If there's a, if there's a concentration, if we example I used, if you're buying in South Carolina right now, how, how stable do you feel about Boeing? Okay. Cause we know Boeing's going through a lot right now yeah. and, and they're probably going to get bailed out and you could probably bet on it, but that's you're buying. It trickles down so far. You're buying that stream of income from Boeing. If you have a lot of residents that work at Boeing. So these are the things you have to look at. So you have to really be able to gauge the quality of the employment of the residents that you're going to be uh, potentially buying right now. So I think that's, that's a key. And Jake, the other important thing is also the market that you're in. You know, Knoxville, the mayor, it seems like he's very proactive. Seems like he's going to get it up and he's going to get up and running. He has a plan. Yeah, I'm done with Kentucky. After the way that the governor of Kentucky is acting, I will not put money into Kentucky anymore. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been criminal what he's been doing up there. And, you know, the shutdowns, I mean, in Virginia... I mean, basically, they're close to June. Now, I'm not saying that's a mm-hmm. right or wrong thing, but now going forward, you have to look at the market, you have to look at the community, and you have to look at also the the city. Do they want business? Are they really business friendly? That's what you mm-hmm. want. Are they tenant friendly? Are they landlord friendly? You have to look at all of that when looking no, at this your guy specific thinks he's a parameters. Like I, I am done with that state for yeah, sure. So. I, I agree with you. Where are the markets that you're invested in across your 1,500 units? So we, we are, yeah, we're invested into Tennessee and Kentucky, and but mm-hmm. we're open to, we've been looking at, um, you know, the different parts of Tennessee because there's multiple markets mm-hmm. around us. Mm-hmm. Um, also, you know, like Huntsville, we've been looking there, you know, quite heavily, and then uh, Carolinas. So. And Andy, we're trying to stay within a three to four hour radius because we're yeah. vertically integrated and we want to manage right. our own portfolio. And anything farther than that gets to be a little bit of a stretch. We can still do it. We found a deal in Charleston. I love Charleston. I mean, it's such a nice market there. The assets are expensive. It didn't work out through due diligence. That's a little bit farther. But I, I think between three to four hours. And that, that expands into North Carolina yeah. and parts of South Carolina. Yeah. And, and large populations, you know, places we feel pretty good about. So. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. How many deals do you guys typically do in a year? Well, last year we did okay. two and it was painful because we had a lot of capital and we're just sitting mm-hmm. there. We've, I don't know how many deals we on the right, Jake, last year, over 200, 250 deals. We own a lot of deals and they just, at one point I was getting frustrated, but now that I look back, I'm so thankful we didn't do a lot of those <laughs> <Right>. deals. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it was frustrating. And part of the, my problem is, and I know a lot of investors have this issue when you're buying stuff at seven and eight caps at 35,000 unit, 40,000 unit, and the, and the market is elevated so much. You say to yourself, you remember the good times, mm-hmm. but don't make right. that mistake that I made because there may be better times and you know, an irre- irreversible what happened with this COVID things were still really priced high, but there was still momentum in the market. There was still job growth. There was still opportunity to raise rents. So mm-hmm. is it bad to say that if you bought something at 30 a door, then three years later, you bought 60 a door 
I mean, it can still elevate. So look at what's happening in the market. Look what's happening with the jobs in the market. And I, we got caught up in that. We got stuck a couple of years ago, not looking at deals because we were thinking what we were buying in the past. You have to, you have to analyze what's going on in the current market cycle, mm-hmm. know where you are mm-hmm. in the cycle and know where it's going towards. And it's much easier said than done because you yes. know, things, things can elevate and it, it can be a matter of weeks where things change. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. We'll get back to our conversation with Jake and Gino in just a minute. Have you been thinking about investing in real estate, but aren't sure you have the time or the desire to manage the investment? Perhaps you're afraid like we were that you'll make the mistake of choosing the wrong market or the wrong team and lose your entire investment. Well, that's exactly why we created the Good Egg Investor Club. We do the work of identifying solid real estate investment opportunities in the best markets around the country and then partner with you to acquire these investments and then we'll all share in the returns. We'll identify the growing markets, strong, experienced teams, and the solid deals. We do all the heavy lifting of managing the tenants and the renovations, and as a passive partner, you get to enjoy all the benefits of investing in real estate, monthly cash flow, long-term appreciation, and the ongoing tax benefits. When we first discovered passive investing through real estate syndications, we realized it fit perfectly into our busy lives. We could put our money to work for our families, work less, and get more time back in our days so that we could focus on what matters most and discover our true passion and purpose in life. We've now helped hundreds of people invest passively in real estate syndications and are seeing the positive impact it's had on their lives. We invite you to partner with us by joining the Good Egg Investor Club today so you can start putting your money to work for you and get more time back in your day. Because we know that when people have more time in their days, they can do the true work they were intended to do and the world will be a better place. To sign up for the Good Egg Investor Club, go to goodegginvestments.com slash invest and we'll take it from there. That's goodegginvestments.com slash invest. And now... Back to our chat with Jake and Gino. Are you guys planning on buying this year? Or what are your sentiments around COVID-19 and how this is going to impact multifamily? We just bought a deal. Oh, you did? Okay. We just closed on a deal. Yeah. And, and you know, knock on wood, we uh, rents were 700 and we, we just got one um, upper 800s. And um, so, yeah, it's, mm. it's just a, you know, very clean deal, uh, townhome style, um, you know, mom mm. and pop owner and under market. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It was a 52 unit deal. We bought it ourselves. We didn't syndicate it. Yeah. We just we just bought it uh, ourselves, and it was a great deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was little deferred maintenance, mm-hmm. and it made a ton of sense. So that's something where probably four or five years ago would have been you know sixty thousand a unit. We paid eighty eighty five, but it's so far below replacement cost that that's what, that's one of the things that was really exciting for us. And there's a lot of value add. We can raise rents, and we're going to be about nine hundred bucks you know in rent. So the, the quick math on that works really well. So. Mm-hmm. And how do you decide when you guys um, purchase a property on your own versus syndicated? It, does it just come down to the size of the asset or are there other factors involved? Yeah, it can. Um, you know, and we bring on other partners too. So it's not just like, mm-hmm. you know, if you work for you know, one of our companies, we actually, and you've been there for two years, we'll actually allow you to invest in the deals dollar for dollar as mm-hmm. well. So, you know, if it's a $30 million deal, sure, you know, we're definitely going to syndicate it. And, and and the goal is, you know, many times with, with the deals come because we invest in them as well. So I don't think I've put less than 150 or 200,000 to any of the deals, even the syndicated properties. Mm-hmm. So we're going to invest in those deals anyways. So most mm-hmm. of the time, you know, going forward, probably going to be a syndicated deal, but you know, and it's something like a 52 unit, 
it just didn't, it just didn't really make sense because it wasn't enough. There wasn't enough there. So, I mean, we could have, you know, had I guess syndicated 10% of it or something like yeah. that. You know? <laughs> but, so. And I think Andy, the other thing is just the deal itself. Can we do a preferred rate of return? We mm. bought a deal two years ago. It was a really heavy lift. That's a great mm. point. Um, Very hairy. I don't, I don't want to put people into right. some of this more challenging turnaround stuff that we've done. And it really depends upon what your investors are looking for. So it's all about the SPY. It's all about the seller. It'll be mm-hmm. the investor, then the property, then what you're looking for. I think we're going to be moving towards a model of buy and hold forever, almost like the Sam Freshman model. And I think that's a different type of investor. There's not many people out there that want to do that, but we want to do that. And because you're listening to a man in his 80s saying one of his biggest mistakes was, I sold too soon. Maybe you should listen to somebody like that who's been doing it. And we've had great success holding our properties long-term, paying down the principal, maybe refinancing them and just... And just. And it's so hard to get them all. You know, the first thing, it's so hard to find a good deal. Yeah. If you can pay down the mm-hmm. debt, there's, there is like... I think a lot of syndicators look at, okay, it's a, it's glorified fix and flip. We're going to go buy it and mm-hmm. then get our piece when we right. sell it. Yeah. Multifamily is a great vehicle if you take care of these things and you do pay down a debt. And I mean, like I, that's what I love. I said, you know, before the show, when we were talking, I love truly just owning apartments. Mm-hmm. So I think that's yeah. something that people miss at times because they, they just look at, they want that, that big rip and then move on to the next one. So, yeah. So, so during this time, you know, with COVID, with the pandemic and everything that's going on, what has been the impact that you've seen on all of your apartments? Has it been, you know, business as usual or have there been dips and issues? Yeah, I got, I got the numbers right here. We're same time last month, we're 48,000 back right now. So, and Mm. we collect a million two monthly. Okay. So, you know, we're, um, you know, we're closing the gap. Um, mm-hmm. We did do the, the PPP. Um, so that's good. Mm-hmm. You know, basically cover, I think it's like four, five payrolls for us, you know, I think something mm-hmm. like that. It'll cover like five, mm-hmm. you know, two and a half months, mm-hmm. something like that. So that'll be good. Um, that'll definitely help. Um, we're not doing any um, forbearance, you know, knock mm-hmm. on wood. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're, you know, we're still collecting. But uh, yeah, I think it's, I think one of the challenges has been we'll have, you know, right now we're typically our offices have two office staff in them. Mm-hmm. Right now we'll have one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're really doing a lot of social distancing with the um, the maintenance techs. Um, yeah. And if there's there's a whole, this is what the stuff that took forever is is all this, you know, virus stuff. Because now it's like there's a list of questions the manager has to ask before right. a, a maintenance tech goes in. You know, have you had this, that, and the other thing? You know, wearing masks. And then, um, you know, just focusing more on emergency calls. So there's been, you know, it. It's been a, a, a tremendous amount of work because our world has been just turned upside down and we had to learn how to operate in this new environment. Mm-hmm. And then it was, are we an essential business? Are we not? And there was all right. this delay trying to get information and, and, and try to find out what we were, you know, supposed to be doing that was in compliance with, mm-hmm. you know, the, you know, the local authorities. So it's, um, it's been a huge learning lesson. And then even just processing PPP, we, we got it out quick. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if, if you guys yep. went through that, but I mean, you know, mm-hmm. um, it, that in itself was was a learning curve. And, mm-hmm. you know, we initially <laughs> thought we have 20 entities or something like that. So we we did the paperwork for 20 entities. And oh so I, I know you guys feel the pain of that. So we had <laughs> these manila folders with stacks. <laughs> and then and then the, the Friday when we were filing, it was, oh, those entities don't qualify. Oh, only owner draws <laughs> for, you know, uh, you can only count yourself as one. Oh, 1099s don't count. So we put in 60 hours of work and then it was, Mm -hmm. it was, you know, went from this, you know, for the folks on Mm -hmm. YouTube down to this Mm -hmm. still look, you know, grateful, you know, because it's going to help, but what a, what a, you know, crazy circus this has been, say the least. And I think the other important thing that came out from all this from, from at least me is technology is great. 
Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I think it's not a substitute. I think virtual tours and virtual leasing is going to be a huge component to it, mm-hmm. but you still need the human element. I love mm-hmm. talking to Jake on Zoom, but I love it even more when I'm sitting next to him on the couch and hanging out. And, and I miss that through this through this time. And as leasing agents and as property managers, we're in the people business. You, you utilize those tools. It's great to have a, a nice video coming down and showing the apartment, but that's only part of the tool. The other part is actually getting in and speaking to the prospect or the resident-to-be and seeing what they need and trying to help them. So not becoming too over-reliant on technology, utilizing it, but that's only one tool in the toolbox. Yeah, I was I was actually in St. Augustine. I was a quarter mile up the beach from Gino's house mm-hmm. when the world you remember there was like that three hour window when the world just changed and yes. everything was being shut down and we we're going, <laughs> yes. What the hell just happened? So I was fearful at that point, because uh, I was visiting Gino that there was going to be these these mass quarantines. Mm. So we yeah. packed up the family and we just we just got out of there because I didn't know, you know, they were asking the vice president, Hey, would would you consider quarantining, you know, certain areas and so we just and then thankfully I left when I did because that's when it got really nuts because when I got home, the work that's when the real work started. Mm. I mean, it was mm-hmm. just put your head down and, and let and let's go. So I think that when you're running, you know, uh, a business, I mean you you know, investing in asset management is its its own, but when you know we have we have sixty employees through the various entities, you know, trying to figure out what the landscape is gonna look like for them, you know, for that sixty day window, that was that was extremely challenging. Mm-hmm. So one I was curious if you guys were to give some advice. A lot of our listeners are, you know, investors, they're always looking for investment opportunities. And I'm just curious if you were to give them some advice on how to prepare to invest over the next six, 12 months, mm-hmm. what advice would you give to them as it relates to multifamily? I think the most important thing when you're investing in multifamily is to invest with a great sponsor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you want somebody with some type of credibility. You want somebody with some type of transparency. You know, we do monthly webinars and quarterly webinars with our investors that may be overkill and you want to over communicate even when you're investing. I think that's the first thing. I think you have to like the sponsor and, and trust them. I think the mm-hmm. second thing is I think if you're going to be an investor and you're going to be investing hundreds of thousands of dollars and millions of dollars, and you're going to take this seriously, this might be, uh, you know, for, for me selling education, I would go and get educated. I would learn how to underwrite a deal. Right. I would learn how to analyze a market. I would learn how to walk through the process and do it as if I'm buying the deal myself. Right. I want to know how to actually, you know, interview a property management company. So when, you know, your sponsor is doing the deal, you can ask them intelligent questions about all these different people. You want to know about the reporting on an asset. You want to know what an income and expense statement is. So when, you know, they're generating $7,000 a month in expenses on a property per unit, you're like, there's something wrong with that. It should be 5,000. So I think you need to be educated on the front end. If you're going to be spending hundreds of millions of dollars investing in somebody's asset, you need to educate yourself on multifamily. Mm-hmm. And it's not hard. There's a a lot of people out there that have a lot of training videos, spend some money in your education before you start putting it. But I mean, Julie, great question. I think the first thing and most most important thing is the sponsor itself. Are they good sponsors? Are they credible? Yeah. I, no, I, I, to piggyback off that, I think staying, staying in your lane. One mm. thing that, that can happen right now is that, oh, wait, should I buy stocks because it's low or Maybe mm-hmm, there's going to be a mm-hmm. fix and flip opportunity over here. Wait, did Bitcoin just come down? So the, totally, the thing that, that yeah. Gino and I have done so well is we just do apartments. 
And that's it. And, and we understand them through the different phases. And that's all we do. Mm-hmm. And look, it, it's great. I know people are diversified. We're diver- diversified in different communities. And mm-hmm. it, it's worked out really well for us. So I think don't get caught up in the shiny objects right now. I, I think that is a huge challenge because people think there's going to be an opportunity here. I'm going to miss it. Don't right. worry about missing out. Worry about doing good deals in whatever vehicle you choose. And if it's not multifamily, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But I think get to be an expert at, at the vehicle that you really like and have the reasons for why you like it. I was, I was mentioning, I like the mortgage pay down. I like the the fact that, you know, we have residents that it's a basic human need. We call it food, clothing, and apartments, okay? It's not food, clothing, mm-hmm. and shelter anymore because everyone's renting. So <laughs> that's why we like this space. So I think staying in your lane is huge. But don't don't be afraid. If you find a deal out there, a 10-unit deal, Look, mm-hmm. you can syndicate, you can you can be an LP, and you can also own 10 units. Mm-hmm. And then you can understand what those folks are going through that are managing some more too. And so if it's, you know, if you can't afford to go buy 150 units yourself and you see a 10 unit next to you, there's nothing wrong with doing that. You know, get educated, go buy a 10 unit, go buy a 20 unit. We've made you know, you know the numbers that you have a better memory than I do, but that 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 16 unit that we bought back when we first started. After we we sold that. Do you remember what the the net proceeds on that thing were? We it was nuts. We, yeah, we bought it for thirty-seven thousand a unit, and we sold it for a hundred, hundred and two a door. Wow! So wow. let's say it was it was it was sixty thousand a unit, and, and sixty units. It was a small property, and we cash flowed every month with it. On top of that, yeah. So you buy it right. So it's you know it it's not the size; it's it's the quality assets. And what I'm really impressed with what you guys have done at Good Egg, it's very similar to what we've done. We've done the multifaceted. So it's not just the asset itself, right? We're just thinking short term. We're we as humans are linear thinkers. You guys have created a great community. You've created a podcast. You've created an education. You've created a, you know, an LP structure where you're getting paid for being, investing passively, but also a GP. So you're syndicating. So we call that multifaceted. So the education, the syndication, the investments, if you property manage like we do, it's just an amazing business. And you can translate this into any other business. If you're in Bitcoin and you want to trade Bitcoin, great. Learn how to trade it really well. Become an expert at it. Then all of a sudden, you start a podcast on Bitcoin. You write a book on Bitcoin. You start raising money and you start doing deals with other people on it. So, But it all has to start with getting really good at something and enjoying it and, and then spreading out. And listen, the pie is infinite. It's just, it's not a zero sum game. You can share it. You can't do it all by yourself because I can see two great ladies on this podcast and there's the two of us and we leverage each other and that's how you grow. If you're going to be do it by yourself, you will never be able to do it by yourself. You'll keep a hundred percent of the profits, but I'd rather have 50% of 200% than, you know, a hundred percent of 10. So you just have to look at it that way. Yeah. And also at the end of the day, isn't it a lot more fun when you work with somebody you like, mm-hmm. that's the bottom line. It's a lot more fun. You know, we can get kicked in the teeth. Like Jake says, I talk to him every day. We keep We keep each other motivated. Motivated. We keep each other inspired. We complain to each other. We have fun. That's what it comes down to. It comes down to that accountability piece also. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's that's Annie and I in a nutshell. We have each other. We were just at a conference out in Tennessee a couple months ago and I was like, I just love working with you. You know, like that's for me, it's like everything. It just makes everything um, so much more fun uh, when you love mm-hmm. who, you're, who you're sitting next mm-hmm. to and going through yeah, this definitely. journey along. So with, yeah. Cool. Um, so let's transition. We're going to transition to the investing for good impact round. We're going to ask you three questions around investing for good. You guys ready? Yep. All right, let's do it. So, and either one of you can, can answer. Um, it doesn't matter. Uh, so the first question is, uh, around investing in yourself. So what is one way that your investments are allowing you to live a better life? Um, the investments are allowing me to live a better life because, 
I am a terrible employee, uh, meaning that I was a high performer, but I'm just not meant for that role because I'll have an idea yeah. mm-hmm. and I want to implement the idea. And then I don't want someone yeah. to tell me that I can or cannot. Mm-hmm. I just want to see the vision and get it done and work with a team and crush it. Mm-hmm. So my, uh, you know, it's, you know, investments, business, whatever you want to say has allowed me to live a fulfilling life with no restrictions. Mm-hmm. And I think that's mm-hmm. the most amazing thing. Mm-hmm. And I can live life on my own terms and not be held back by, you know, some kind of structure you know, because I, I was in pharmaceutical sales. And I, at the mm-hmm. time that the Sunshine Act came in during the healthcare reform, it went from let's go, you know, make it happen to all right, read this script in front of a doctor and be a news anchor. That didn't work really well for me. So I, you know, being put in the box and then I was being graded with a manager sitting next to me. Uh, you didn't say that verbatim and you missed it. You know, talk about put a, put a gun yeah. next to your head. Like that, that yeah. just sucked for me. So being able to live a life and then and, and also not being held back in terms of every time I turn around, they would change my commission structure. Now I can just go buy as many buildings mm-hmm. as, as I want and create this amazing life of abundance, be sitting, you know, mm-hmm. in the middle of the day, it's 12 o'clock right now on, on a podcast with uh, two great people from San Francisco. It's just the opportunities are endless. And yeah. so it's, it's just a, it's the abundance yeah. in, in so many different ways that living life on my own terms and, and you know, being an entrepreneur is, is allowed me to do. And so. for me, it's really similar. I mean, back in 2016, I quote unquote became financially free. I quit my restaurant. A year later, I moved down to Florida. And ultimately, when you become financially free and I was able to create the Jake and Gino community and you're able to help others. It's not always about you mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah. It's okay. I can get on this coaching yeah. call. I'm not going to charge the person. It's okay. I'm going to, you know, spend an extra hour with somebody. I don't need to be looking at the clock. And that really, it's not like the billable hours, man. I'm freaking yeah. out. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, you become, you, I, I was from a scarcity mindset to an abundance mindset. Mm-hmm. That's, that's exactly, it's exactly mm-hmm. what happened to me. And then all of a sudden you have these ideas and these thoughts, Hey, why don't we start this other company and we'll bring this person on and we'll share mm-hmm. this revenue. Cause you're able to share more. You're able to have more thoughts. So for me, the investments allowed me to do that. And it just, you know, moving down to Florida was, was, was awesome for me. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's so much of what Annie and I, that's actually what brought us together was, you know, we sat on a couch at a real estate investing conference and we realized that at the heart of what we were doing was really because we wanted to help mm-hmm. other people. Um, and that was really kind of the foundation of, of creating good egg investments. And during that conversation, free. I had just quit my ninth job in 10 years. That is wow. how bad of an employee I was also. So you were, you're speaking my language wow. there. <laughs> okay. Second question is around investing in others. So what is one investment strategy or life hack? And I'd love to hear one from each of you on this one. Um, but what is one investment strategy or life hack that you can share with our audience that will help make an impact on their investing journey um, today? Yeah, I'll hit it. Uh, so one thing that we do, and you got to check with you know the local you know laws and things like that. But we actually do moving fees. We found early on that um, mm-hmm. doing the security deposits created this kind of tension between resident and um, company. So the resident would always be you know in the back of their mind throughout the whole term of the relationship, am I going to get this money back? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of created this weird you know dynamic. And so what we do is we charge about half of a security deposit into a non-refundable fee that helps go into cleaning costs, painting, turning the apartment. And so um, I think that's been something that has really helped because if you look at our fee structure, we're typically, I don't know, 12 to 15 percent of our revenues coming from fees where uh, a good portion of that is coming from the move in fee. So every time someone comes in, that, that money's going right to the bottom line. They're done. They wrote the money and it's a lower barrier to entry for them to get into the apartment. So while you're saying, well, you know, they're not getting it back. Well, 
they're not getting it back, but it's half. They're getting in quicker, less money out of pocket for someone that may be living, you know, paycheck to paycheck, not have as much savings. So I think that's um, that's been really um, helpful. And I think on a life hack, you know, side, um, I get up, you know, relatively early. My day starts at six right in this chair and, and I'm working mm-hmm. on myself. I'm mm-hmm. doing a bunch of, you know, different audible books and it's the same day over and over. I have this, you know, funny little piece of cardstock, which I call my coach's sheet. And I just follow the yellow brick road, whatever it says on there for the day, it's planned out <laughs> Sunday and I just go. Um, it's that repetition over time of, of doing the, the good behaviors and the good habits day in and day out and not missing because I'm checking it off as I'm going. I'm getting a little dopamine hit. I'm using a, a big black stinky sharpie marker so mm-hmm. I can really, you know, get into it. And um that is just that consistency it, it seems it's not sexy. It, it's not, you know, something cool, mm-hmm. but those those habits. So if you need to call 10 brokers this week and you have it on your list, you're calling those brokers and and you're moving the needle. So it's mm-hmm. I think it's mm-hmm. people what what happens is it's not fun. It's not exciting. So they, they, they miss, but being extremely disciplined and boring has, has definitely led to my personal success. This, this little thing, more than anything, I would say that and, and hanging out with the G-Dad there, you know? As far as for me, I mean, one of the books that really impacted me in the last couple of years was uh, Same Side Selling. And I think it's really important for all your listeners to, to look at the book because I always thought of salespeople as scuzzy and what are they trying to sell me? Because they were trying to sell me the wrong thing. I mean, people want to buy. They don't want to be sold, right? And I think the big takeaway from that book is you're trying to find impact together. So when you're, mm-hmm. when you're trying to raise money from an investor, well, is that investor even want to invest in multifamily? I mean, does he mm-hmm. want an 8% preferred? Does, what does he want? Not what do you want? So if you can both find impact together and you're serving that person, and that will change the dynamic completely. And if you don't, you leave off on a great note. You have a great conversation with that person. Oh, by the way, is there somebody that would be interested in it? So it's a yeah. total mind shift for me um, as far as sales goes. I always thought sales was that you know predatory, but if you can really think of what the other side needs, and it sounds so basic, but mm-hmm. I'm telling you, 90% of the salespeople don't go into that. They go into the sales call as Jake is a number. I just need to hit my quota at the end of the month. But if you think of Jake as an ally and how can I help him? Totally. And if I can't help Jake, I'm sure Jake knows somebody yep. to invest with me or do whatever. It's just a complete mind shift for, yeah. me, for me. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's so much of of what we do in our business and the approach that we take. And um, you know, there will be conversations that I'll have with investors where it's just not a good fit. And I, you know, I'll let mm-hmm. them know right up front, like, hey, you know, if we're 10, 15 minutes into the conversation, and I can hear in what they're telling me that it's probably not going to be a good fit and that I can't really serve them as much as I would be able to the next person, then I'll just let them know right then and there. And um, I think that that approach has served us really well and has contributed to a lot of our success as well. So I love that. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. Last question is um, investing in the world. So what is one thing that you guys are doing or two or three um, that you guys are doing to make the world a better place as it relates to the investments and and everything that you're doing in, in real estate? Yeah, it's so we we call it the Rand Fam. I think I, I touched uh-huh. on that earlier. That that's that's our you know family of companies. So I, you know for me again though, like the the immediate impact, and I don't want to you know say it's like customers or whatever, but it's it's our employees. You know we're we're you know doing really good things there. We're expanding on the different benefits that we're doing. We do these awesome rafting trips. You know I'm very proud that we're not going to be laying people off throughout this whole thing. And then the feedback that we get and, and the the positive vibes that come back for doing things like this. I, I'm sure we all knew people that have gotten laid off. I had a buddy calling me the other day who was furloughed, this, that, and the other thing. 
being a company that doesn't do those kind of things um, and, and be able to stand the test time because we bought good deals that allow you know our, our you know revenue to keep coming that's fantastic and then a, a part of the rand fam a few years ago we created rand cares um mm-hmm. we fed you know like nearly fifteen thousand kids this year for thanksgiving the year before um i think we did like 10 um you know we do the you know different um you know, stuff uh, with like these dragon boat races this year where we're going to be doing, to, you know, to help out homeless people. We built a playground last year wow. uh, for people in South Knoxville. You know, Gino's up there in Harlem, you know, doing his thing, cooking. You know, for me, I it was funny because the and, and this is great because it's, it's culture building amongst the community. Mm-hmm. And the community, I mean the Rand fam, and you wouldn't believe how much they enjoyed doing this. So it was years ago that some of our leaders came to me and said, you know, we want to start getting more active in, you know, charitable work. And, you know, I said, all right, well, let me let me lead on this because the one thing that that I want to do is make sure we're taking care of kids because they don't have a choice. Mm-hmm. You know, adults have more of a choice than children do. Yeah. And the thing that really crushes me is that when kids can't eat. I love eating. I hate it when I'm hungry. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. think if there's one good thing we can do is make sure kids are being fed. Mm-hmm. So that's where it started. But then, you know, it, it was like almost a dictatorship where it's like, well, we want to help these other people too. I'm like, all right, all right, I'll stop. So we, we've started expanding into these other areas. But the food, mm-hmm. I'm passionate about the food. Okay, So if we get food out there to kids, it, it really warms my heart. But yeah, we've started expanding it and, um, you know, homeless stuff this year and um, with the Dragon Boat races locally. And, you know, so we're, you know, we're enjoying that. And it, it, it's, it, and so here's the thing. If anyone's on the fence within your organization and when it comes to charitable work, you know, do it. I mean, just really quick for the Jake and Gino community, for the education students, we have our money mixes, which is our one day events. And we go to all the events. We have our uh, two day boot camps uh, with their intensives with, with, with all our coaches. So for us giving back at that and being there and putting those events together is a lot of work. It's a lot of fulfillment. It's a lot of energy, but I, I love it because it is a community and I want to get people together. And I think real estate is a network community. It's all about relationships. So if we're going to be talking about that on the education, I'm trying to create this community community, I want to get everyone together. So it's a lot of work. It's hard, but I love that. I love that aspect of Mm -hmm. it. It goes back to what you were saying earlier, Gino, is, you know, financial freedom isn't about just, you know, making all this money Mm -hmm. and then sitting back and sitting on your couch and watching TV all day. It's about, you know, it then can amplify all the things that you wanted to do, all your values and allow you to make the difference that you wanted to make in the world. And so it's great to see you guys. It's doing easier that. to help people with a million bucks in your bank account than zero. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. It's really not about retiring, which is crazy. You think when you become financially free, you move down to Florida, the beach is 300 feet away. You're going to slow down. <laughs> that didn't happen to me. And it won't happen to the average person who's going to achieve financial freedom mm-hmm. because their mind's always working. They're always yeah. trying to solve problems. They're always trying to grow. You're either growing, you're dying. So mm-hmm. if you're in your 40s and 50s, and you're like, you know what? I want to travel and all. That's great. I will guarantee you after two or three weeks, you're going to be bored and you're going to need another challenge. <laughs> it's not really about making money, right? It's really about growing companies yeah. and about having an impact, right? Yeah. That's what we want. We have an, want to leave mm-hmm. a lasting impact. And for me and Jake, I think we just want to be role models to our wives and to our kids. So, yeah. I mean, how can you be a role, role model to your children if you're just sitting around traveling all day and not really having an impact on anybody else? So, yeah. that's it's how- It's that purpose component. Yeah. It's like, what's fulfilling to you and, and where's your purpose? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Love that. Mm -hmm. That's it right there. Well, I'm sure that our listeners are going to want to learn more about you and connect with the two of you. So where's the best place that they can go to learn more about uh, both of you and all of all that you're doing? Well, we actually, Gino put together this great little page for this because, you know, obviously we get asked this a lot. So if you go to Jake and Gino, it's J-A-K-E-A-N-D-G-I-N-O dot com 
forward slash honeybee. That's H-O-N-E-Y-B-E. Mm-hmm. Um, that's okay. our latest book, The Honeybee. So mm-hmm. we have jakeandgina.com forward slash the honeybee. There we have uh, free downloads. Uh, we have something called a credibility book. Now, what's a credibility book? We started as a pizza guy and a drug rep, and it took us two years <laughs> to get in multifamily. And the thing that helped us was this credibility book. So get on there, download the credibil- uh, credibility book. We have free Honeybee resources. Again, that's about the multifaceted approach that we take. And uh, you can also download our podcast. So we have four different shows. Gino does one with his wife and the family. We have one on syndication. We have our Wheel Our Profits show. Uh, and we have Movers and Shakers, where we highlight our different community members' success. And it's great because every week we're able to put a new person on there that says, hey, I just closed on this deal and this is what happened. So if you want to learn you know, the, the, the real truths of the street, <laughs> check that one out. Mm-hmm. So, And then if you ever, you know, you want to, you know, apply to work with our team or check out one of our events. It's, it's all there. So I'm curious, what does honeybee stand for? So uh, you gotta uh, read the book. I, I, <laughs> okay. I'll give you a quick 30 second analogy. Secrets. No, quick, quick, yeah, yeah, yeah. quick 30 seconds. Teaser, man. Let's get a book no, sale. Yeah. Like, come on. <laughs> no, no, I got to give Jake. You got to give, right? So the honeybee, think about the honeybee. The honeybee is the worker, right? Always on. Mm-hmm. Who makes the money? The person who owns the hive. So we are trained as honeybees to continue to make that honey, make that honey. But why are we making that honey? What's the reason for making that honey? The honeybee's not programmed that way. All it is is just doing the job. So the person, the man in the book, his name is Tom. He was the one who owned the hives and he gives uh, lectures and little little secrets and little stories to the salesman, Noah, in the book about what you need to do. And you know, really to think about life and it really talks about our journey in a parable setting about how you start scaling up and all these different stories of how am I going to start? Well, once you start, how am I going to hire these people and how am I going to grow? And it's really those analogies mm. from looking at what a simple honeybee does and, and implementing that into our lives. And finding streams of purpose. Yes, I like that. Yeah. Streams of purpose. Uh-huh. I love there that. Finding go. streams of purpose. I love that. I love That's that. That's the title of this oh. podcast. Well, there we go. <laughs> finding streams of purpose with Jake and the G-Dad. There you go. You got it. There you That's go. It. Well, with that, Jake Stenziano and Gino Barbaro, authors, podcast hosts, multifamily investors, business owners, and educators. Thank you so much for being here with us today, Jake and Gino. Thanks, Thanks guys, for having us. Take Thanks, care, guys. everybody. You've been listening to Investing for Good, the number one podcast for people like you who are investing to build a legacy for their families, create a meaningful and intentional life by design, and impact the world around them. For more resources, check out goodegginvestments.com slash podcast. And be sure to join the Investing for Good Facebook community. And don't forget to subscribe and give us a five-star review so we can continue to bring you amazing new conversations every week. Until next time, keep investing for good. 